Russia on nuclear high alert, a Ukraine update. What does Vladimir Putin have on Joe Biden? Calls to end the UN Security Council veto power and the fight against a European superstate in the headlines today. And we will analyze these events through a prophetic lens on this edition of End of the Age. Good afternoon, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries. Thank you so much for joining me on this edition of End of the Age. I'm going to be talking about going down the, the, the road of the Russian-Ukraine situation. And what we'll be talking about the churches, some different things going on there today. And then I'll wrap it up, if I have time, on the European superstate. But Vladimir Putin took it to a whole nother level this weekend when he brought nuclear into play. CNS News, I mean, many, all of them are reporting, all the major news sources are reporting that Vladimir Putin has stated that we will go to on nuclear high alert now. But back in 2016, Vladimir Putin said, hey, using nuclear weapons would mean the end of the world and death for everybody. So what is going on? Well, President Vladimir Putin announced his announcement yesterday that he was ordering Russian nuclear deterrent forces on the highest alert came less than two months ago when Russia signed uh, and claimed credit for coordinating a joint statement by the five recognized nuclear-armed powers pledging to prevent a nuclear war. Well, that went out the window, didn't it? That statement by Russia, the United States, Britain, France, and China, the five victor nations of World War II, affirmed that a nuclear war cannot be won and must never be fought. And they said as nuclear use would have a far-reaching consequences, we also affirm that nuclear weapons, for as long as they continue to exist, should serve defense purposes and deter aggression and prevent war. Now, the five governments also stated that none of our nuclear weapons are targeted at each other or at any other state. Now, (laughs) you believe that one? Uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe they're pointing right up in the air and they've got, you know, um, I don't know how they would justify that one, but at the end of the day, I think there are some digital coordinates that would say, hey, this missile is ready to go to X uh, target if something kicks off. Um, And I shouldn't laugh about nuclear, but I'm just saying, uh, to say that none of our nuclear weapons are pointed at any particular target, I mean, come on, everybody. We know better than that. And I think all of the nations that signed it do as well. But Vladimir, Vladimir Putin did state back in 2016 
that using nuclear weapons would mean the end of the world and death for everybody. Now, this has got a lot of people on the edge. And, and nuclear, obviously, nuclear aspirations should have us on edge. However, we know that scripturally, this simply is not going to happen. Will there be nuclear war in the future? Yes, there will. It's almost a, a given that the Third World War will be nuclear weapons. The, it's going to be, as far as casualties go, just about 40 times more casualties than World War II. There's no way you can do that without nuclear weapons. It would take years and years and years and years. And then, of course, um, the Bible says at the Battle of Armageddon that there will be weapons used that their eyes will consume in their sockets and their tongues consume in their mouth. And we know that that seems to be, appears to be the use of nuclear weapons at the Battle of Armageddon as well. Of course, Israel, which the world governing armies will come down against um, in the Battle of Armageddon, they have close to 200 uh, nuclear weapons. And they have what's called the Samson option. Remember when Samson went in at the time of his death and he told the lad to put his hands on the two pillars and he pushed the pillars down, the house come crashing down and he killed more people in his death than he did in his life. He took the house down with him. Well, Israel has said, well, we've got a Samson option and that's our nuclear arsenal. If we're going down, everybody's going with us. Of course, we know Israel is not going to ever fully go down, but we do know that they have nuclear weapons. So there will be nuclear wars in the future. However, there's a lot of people stirred up about uh, Vladimir Putin's comment about in 2016, hey, that's going to be the end of the world. No more life will exist after a nuclear conflict. That's simply not true according to Scripture. The Bible does tell us that there will be mortals that are left to live into the 1,000-year millennial reign. If you look in Daniel chapter 12, Daniel saw four beasts, a lion with eagle's wings, a bear, a four-headed leopard, and a ten-horned beast. The Bible tells us that these beasts symbolize nations and the leaders, or, or empires, and the leaders of those, or kingdoms. And so, the Bible says in Daniel seven twelve, after it gives a depiction of all of them and talks about them, uh, that when the, the Lord will come back and tear all these down, but it says, as concerning the rest of the beasts, that they had their dominion taken away at the battle of Armageddon, yet their lives were prolonged for a season and a time. So it lets us know that there will be nations or mortals that live into the millennial reign. The Bible says the saints of God, the church that is raptured, will be kings and priests with him in the millennial reign as and we will have immortal bodies but there still will be mortals that will be in God's uh, kingdom as well living on the earth physical human beings the Bible says how do I know that well the Bible says that we were, were given immortal bodies the inability to die but the Bible says uh, back in Isaiah that somebody who dies a hundred years old a sinner that dies at 100 years old, will be considered but a child. So there will be people that die. Now, the, age, the ages will go back to, the longevity will go back to Old Testament times when people were living to be seven, eight, nine hundred years old. 
So that's why it says when somebody dies at 100, they're going to be considered but a child. But they will have the ability to die, and it lets us know there will be mortals that live into the 1,000-year millennial reign. Once you're raptured, you'll never, you'll never die. And so uh, it lets us know that we will be given immortal bodies like Jesus had when he raised from the dead. So just giving you kind of an update on what's happening with Russia they're, 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 and the, you know, they just taken it to another level, started talking about nuclear weapons and putting them on high alert this weekend. Uh, so there's a lot going on. We're going to get off into much of it here and talk about getting the Jews out of Ukraine. We'll talk about that uh, right after the break here. So uh, you won't want to miss Hi, that. I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Major internet companies are silencing and censoring Christian voices online. These companies are trying to control what you see and hear. Almost 200 videos of ours have been marked as restricted online right now. That's why we launched End of the Age Plus, a platform where the truth won't be censored, a platform where we can preach the message of the gospel. When you subscribe to End of the Age Plus today for just $12.99 a month, you can watch all of our content in a secure, easy-to-view way from your favorite device. When you go to watch.endtime.com and subscribe, you'll get instant access to all of our teaching resources, including Revelation, the Unveiling of Jesus Christ, Understanding the End Time, End Time Magazine, and so much more. We will not censor our message to comply with what the world deems as politically correct. Go to watch.endtime.com right now or search End of the Age Plus in the App Store or Google Play. Now, I wanted to give you a, <clears throat> an update on what our End Time Ministries involvement, the Jewish agency, and the churches in Ukraine, the churches that we're affiliated with there, I have a friend of ours that came out of our church. He's a missionary to another country just south of Ukraine. He didn't want me to mention his name or the country because he's actually not supposed to be there. And it, he, he said that a lot of times these countries will scavenge the Internet and Facebook and try to find your name and what you're doing in their country. But a great friend of ours, he married the daughter of the our missionary to Ukraine. They're there now. They're family. And their name, their last name is the Tomyev family. And 
I got a hold of my friend yesterday and I said, hey, what's going on? I, I need to know. I need to tell everybody what's going on in Ukraine and how the churches are doing and the, our missionaries and what's going on. Are they dispersed or, and everything? And he said that the churches are unable to meet and that they, they are dispersed at this point. The pastors of the churches are considering sending their wives and, and children over into the western part of Ukraine and possibly out of the country eventually, but at least into the western part at this point, and that the pastors themselves would stay there with the churches because they did not want the flock to disperse completely and not have a shepherd there. Now, I'm telling you, these people are all in. And so my friend got a... I was trying to have... One of the pastors' names is Sergei Tomyev. I was trying to get him on as an interview on the program today, but he said that their internet was so horrible and everything was damaged. He was he just said, I, I don't think I'll be able to do it. So he gave my friend a video. He sent him a friend, uh, a video of a, like a report that he could give people. And I wanted you to hear this because I want you to hear the, um, to hear his voice, to hear his concern. But I, I, I want you to know that he, you'll hear, he's talking about revival. He's talking about what God's going to do. He's talking about, hey, when this ends, we're going to build back. We're going to have revival. And I want you to hear this because this comes straight from Sergei Tomyev yesterday morning, directly from Ukraine. And because he couldn't be on the interview with me, he wanted to send us a video. So I want you to listen to this. Dear brothers and sisters, all the friends of Ukraine, on behalf of all the churches, all the people of Ukraine, I want to say thank you for praying. We can feel your prayers. We can feel the angels of God, the peace of God on us. I believe this is a historic moment for our country. Our country is fighting for its freedom. Our country is fighting against the evil spirits that are trying to get here. I want to say thank you for your prayers. Thank you for the support. Thank you for everything you're doing. This is not over for our country, and it's not over for the revival and the churches of Ukraine. It's just the beginning of what God is going to do and the mighty victory that we're going to see in this land. Continue to pray for us. Continue to support us. I'm asking all of you at this moment to be ready to pray and to intercede for our nation. These few days are critical. We need to stand strong. And if we stand these few days, we'll see a huge, huge victory. Also, I want to ask you to be ready to support our country financially. When this thing is over, our country will need all the resources and everything to rebuild our homes, to rebuild our churches, to rebuild everything that the enemy destroyed. And I'm asking you to be ready to do that so. Also, I want to speak to all of you that taking for granted churches, times of worship, times when we can get together as a church body to worship God. When you have this opportunity, lay aside everything you, you have and go to your churches and worship God in the freedom you have. Worship God 
when you can do it. Don't take for granted the freedoms you have. And don't take for granted that you are part of a church, mighty church of Jesus Christ. Thank you for your prayers. Thank you for their support. We love you all. So that was straight from Sergei Tomyev, one of the pastors in Ukraine yesterday morning. And I'm telling you, folks, he convicted me because I know that there have been times when I have taken for granted meeting together at a church or and I just thought, hey, the church is always going to be there and the, that we'll have another prayer meeting. And, you know, but you kind of take it for granted sometimes until a COVID situation hits and then you're dispersed and you can't meet with the people of God and feel the camaraderie and the, 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 the passion that goes along with that and the safety net that you have being part of God's family and meeting together and the, the building of your faith and everything that goes along with that and worshiping God freely. So imagine being in the Ukraine where you've got bombs dropping. Uh, Sergei told my friend they have bombs dropping. He can hear them right around his house. And I don't know if the church has been destroyed, or, but I know that they're dispersed at this point. And that's why he was saying, God's doing a mighty work. We're going to build back. But don't take for granted the freedoms that you have. And I know we live, our guides in Israel told us for years that we kind of live in a bubble here in the United States. And having traveled most a lot of the world, I know that that's very true. Every time I come back into the United States, I want to kiss the ground, regardless of who the president has been. Because we do live in the freest country on the planet. And I'm so thankful for that. I believe God is still with us. Even though there is a lot of debauchery in America, I know that this is still, by and large, a Christian country. And that, we want, that many people want to do God's will. Sometimes they don't know what to do and things like that. But I know that there still is a huge faction of true Christians in America that want to do God's will. And we need a spiritual revival here. But to hear Sergey's voice breaking up there at the end and saying, don't take for granted being able to meet together and be free Folks, I want to just make sure that uh, we're, we're praying for them and that there, went, there may be times when we need to support them financially. Um, at this point, uh, he's saying you know, that they, they don't know how the church and everything's going to uh, end up, as, you know, when it will be over and when they will need that. So we'll look at that in the near future. Also, I, I know I'm taking a little time here, but very, very important. We received, so for years now, we have worked with the Jewish agency in Israel to help Jews make Aliyah back to Israel. Because we know that there's another Jewish Holocaust coming and that Jews around the world will be persecuted by the world governing body. The Bible tells us this and that if we can get them back to Israel or at least to the United States, then they would have a chance to be saved at the end because all of Israel is going to be saved when the Lord comes back, plants His feet upon the Mount of Olives. Those that have made it through the Great Tribulation, the Battle of Armageddon, everything. So we believe God has laid it upon our heart to help them make Aliyah back to Israel and protect the Jews. God said, I will bless them that bless you and I will curse them that curse you. So we've worked with the and have given thousands and thousands of dollars. You all and End Time Ministries have given thousands of dollars to help Jews make Aliyah 
back to Israel, or the, or the journey home, if you don't know what Aliyah is. So, when this crisis arose, Devorah Ganani sent us, she's been sending us emails all along. She is the goodwill ambassador to the Christian world from the Jewish agency in Israel that works right with the government. The um, previous president of the Jewish agency is now the president of Israel, Isaac Herzog. And Devorah worked right with him closely, getting Jews to come back from all over the world. But they will especially contact us when there's a time when Jews are under a great time of persecution. Well, that's where we're at in Ukraine right now. The Jews are trying, many Jews are trying to escape that area. And Devorah contacted us. She didn't contact us every week or even every month. But she contacted on us and she said, we need some help. And she sent this to many of the Christian organizations they worked with, but she knows. Matter of fact, when my father-in-law passed, Irvin Baxter, we had helped them so much that they dedicated an entire room in their absorption center to Irvin Baxter because uh, she knew that our heart truly was with them. And we've been allowed to go into the absorption center where they've allowed, uh, we were one of the first Christian ministries ever that has been able to do that. Because we believe we're going to be here during the end time and we're going to help the Jews. Uh, and so she sent us a, a, uh, an email and I wanted to read some excerpts from the email, very important, and then ask you if you might want to give. She says this, and I'm quoting from Devorah Ganani, and I'm, she's going to be on our radio television program here in just a few weeks if she gets to come to the States. But she said, we expanded our global center under Ariel de Porto. And I know most, a lot of you are interested in this. What can we do to help the Jews in Ukraine? She said, to handle the thousands of phone calls that we receive from people needing rescue or who want to make Aliyah to, um, to Israel. She said, for example, on last Wednesday, we received two calls from in Ukraine wanting to make Aliyah. But on Thursday, when the Ukrainian thing kicked off, they received 400 calls in one day. People saying, help us, we we need to get out. Jews. Um, She said 84 people in Ukraine and 30 more in Israel are taking calls from Jews in Ukraine, calling the hotline in need of assistance. She says, we are proactively calling the 24,000 Jews from our list who either came to an Aliyah seminar in Ukraine or who have expressed in making Aliyah to Israel and asking what help they need. The Ministry of Foreign Affairs in Jerusalem is preparing for an operation to transfer humanitarian aid to Ukraine. And on Tuesday, tomorrow, a plane carrying 100 tons of equipment will be launched to Warsaw, the capital of Poland. And from there, the equipment will be will pass in trucks and the staff of the Israeli embassy to Kiev uh, will, and they will handle, hand out the equipment to the Ukrainians at the border crossing with Poland. And assistance includes coats, blankets, sleeping bags, tents, water, water purification systems, uh, which Israel is excellent at, and then, of course, water. <clears throat> so she says the situation in Ukraine is much worse than any of us could expect. The hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians are trying to find their way to cross the borders by car and on foot, and they they will give some of this assistance to them as well. Ukraine is not allowing, 
She's telling us this, and I've read this in the news. I know what she's saying is absolutely true. Ukraine is not allowing men aged 16 to 60 to leave Ukraine after drafting them into the army. 16 to 16 years old. That means I would be going into the army if if they drafted that old. Most have no military experience and families that they're caring for, but yet they've been drafted. They've got to go. Everyone was working under the assumption that there would be a humanitarian corridor to move resources into Ukraine and move people out. But this has not happened up to this point. The Jewish agency has opened a refugee shelter between the border of Lviv and Poland. A hundred Jews are there now and more are coming. The Jewish agency has opened six facilities for Aliyah processing in Poland, Moldova, Romania, and Hungary, but not many have been able to cross over. So people got in their cars last Thursday. They're, They're still driving and waiting at border crossings, and this makes for a food and water emergency. And because Jaffe has a special status with the government, members of the Jewish agency staff have diplomatic passports and can cross in the day to Ukraine to work and pass back to Poland and be protected with a diplomatic passport. So Devorah said that we are preparing to send eight other Russian-speaking staff members from the Jewish agency to help with this, and these will join the other 84 uh, local Aliyah workers who live in Ukraine. And we are preparing for this crisis in Ukraine to be a long effort because there are going to be Jews trying to get out uh, and, and other people, but they're, you know, they're mainly focused on the Jews, but they will give some of the, the other humanitarians' efforts to some of the people. But the Jews are trying to help make Aliyah. So here's what's going on. And this is from, straight from her letter. It, the evacuation and shelter for people uh, is $850 per Jewish individual. And she said, and of the evacuation, it only includes the um, some the support and transit, stay at a shelter, and the needed provisions for food and blankets. A rescue flight per person to get them to Israel, they've got it to $805, $805. So evacuation and a flight is $1,655 per person. And so this, this comes straight from Devorah Ganani, who is the Goodwill Ambassador to the, the um, Christian segment of the Jewish Agency. So if you'd like to give to that, the number, call 1-800-363-8463. End Time Ministries has facilitated the giving for years. Just tell them you want to be part of the Save the Jews in Ukraine project, and you can give to that project today. Gamora has asked us specifically, so if you'd like to give... Whether it's a global pandemic, threat of war, or floundering economies... End-time events are happening around the world every day. How can you have peace in a world of such great uncertainty? With the End Time Magazine subscription, you can gain a deeper understanding of current events and its prophesied repercussions. End Time Magazine's exclusive content and prophetic insight allows you to understand where we are in the end time. It will give you peace when horrific news and events happen. 
When you subscribe today to End Time Magazine for 12 months for just $19.99, you can have hope for the future because you will understand what the Bible says about the time we are living in. You'll get access to exclusive articles like the Prophesied American-Israeli Alliance, End Time Do's and Don'ts, and Could School Choice Save America? Subscribe for you or a friend right now. Go to endtime.com or call 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-END-TIME. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, part two. The late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. If your station only carries the first 30 minutes of End of the Age, go to endtime.com and click the watch button to continue today's broadcast. You can also finish up later by clicking the archive button. Now, I want to go through that again really quick because I want to make sure you got it. Uh, it's a very important need. The evacuation and shelter of every person, of, of the, um, the, uh, each person there, is $850. That includes uh, support and transit, a stay in a shelter, and it helps provide food and blankets and different things for them. The rescue flight to Israel, they got it down to $805 per person. Uh, and that's to, to help the Jews make Aliyah into Israel. So an evacuation and flight, they have to stay in a shelter for a while, get them on a flight. It's $1,655 per person. And so if you'd like to give, call 1-800-363-8463, 1-800-END-TIME. We have facilitated that giving for years now, and you guys have been so gracious and so faithful to give to, to Israel and trying to help the Jews make Aliyah into down into Israel. So if you'd like to give, this is a plea straight from Devorah Ganani uh, and the Jewish Agency to End Time Ministries. And so if you'd like to help, we could certainly do that. Just call and tell the, the uh, our fulfillment center we want to give to the Save the Jews in Ukraine project. That's what they're calling it. And we can help facilitate that giving. I know a lot of people have expressed interest on wanting to give. And wow, what a cause this is. I mean, imagine here in the United States, if you were trying to flee and people were sending money to help you, you and, but you couldn't get, maybe you had no access to a bank account. I mean, there are bombs falling on different places there, and maybe you had no access to that, and you're trying to get out of the country, but you have no means. But there's people that you could go to and said, hey, we've got a way to get you out. Get on this transport. We're going to get you to a plane and get you out of here. Well, that's kind of where we're at with Ukraine right now. And so, very, very important, and uh, what a huge need this is. they got many, many, many Jews trying to get out right now. So, if you'd like to give to that, 1-800-363-8463, and give the, to the Save the Jews in Ukraine project. Thank you much. God bless. Now, in, in looking at this thing as a whole, and what's going on from a prophetic perspective, and and just trying to figure it all out. I think there is a lot more going on. There's a lot more to this conflict than is being reported in the news, or unless you kind of got to dig deep. 
if you think about this, there's some conflicting things going on in the world. Joe Biden is sanctioning Russia to try to get them to come into compliance with the international community, international law, uh, with what's going on in Europe. He's sanctioning them. Okay? But on, on, on this hand, but on the other hand, he's lifting sanctions off of Iran and their nuclear aspirations to get, and he's trying to get them to sign a nuclear deal to come into some kind of compliance, even though it's weaker and shorter than the original deal. So he's putting sanctions on Russia, but he's lifting sanctions off of Iran. Do you see what kind of a conflicting message he's given here? Donald Trump hammered Iran with sanctions, and it was working. We were crippling them with sanctions. But yet, Joe Biden is saying, hey, sanctions is the solution to Russia, but yet we're pulling sanctions off of Iran. Makes no sense, does it? Because money is flowing into the coffers. It will. Now, we've already lifted some sanctions. They're fixing to lift more. But it will flow in, billions of dollars will flow into Iran's coffers. Do you think that will go to their, to their people, to the population? Or, or do you think it will go to fund their terrorist aspirations? Well, I can tell you, it'll go to fund terrorism. That's what they do. And many people there, it's just they're living in horrible circumstance. And it's very, very important that we understand what's going on in these conflicting messages our president is giving off right now. But it lets me know that there are hands in a lot of pockets... And you really got to study this thing out to see what's going on. So, let me give you a couple scenarios. Israel Hayam, they reported, and many, many news sources are reporting that SWIFT, the SWIFT block deals, are crippling, is a crippling blow to Russia as allies deploy financial nuclear weapons. A financial nuclear weapon. However, you've heard that in the news, but is SWIFT really going to cripple Russia? So listen at this. The United States, Britain, Europe, and Canada, if you don't know what it is, they committed on Saturday to removing several key Russian banks from the SWIFT global payment system, deploying what analysts and diplomats say is a financial nuclear weapon because of the damage that it could cause to Russia as well as its trade trading partners. But I want you to notice that it is some of the banks. Well, why not all? If you're really wanting to hammer them with sanctions, cut their ability off completely. So if you don't know what SWIFT is, it's the Society for Worldwide Interbank Financial Telecommunications. That's why we say SWIFT. And it's a secure messaging system to ensure rapid cross-border payments. It was created back in 1973, and it was based in Belgium. And SWIFT is the principal mechanism to finance international trade. It links 11,000 banks and institutions in more than 200 countries and processing upward of 42 million transactions every single day. Well, SWIFT was created by American and European banks, which did not want a single institution developing their own system and having a monopoly. And 
the Belgium-based network is now jointly owned by more than 2,000 financial institutions. And it's supervised by the National Bank of Belgium in partnership with the major central banks around the world, including the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England. So it's tied into the world government, in other words, because <laughs> these central banks are as well. But listen at this. The Allies, who also vowed uh, curbs on Russia's central bank to limit its abilities to support the trouble, have not yet said which banks they would target. They're not going to target every bank that Russia would have access to. Because, but if they did, that would be a crucial. Uh, that would be crucial to measure the impact that um, of the sanctions and the banking. Said the sanctions and the banking experts. However, the devil is going to be in the details. This was uh, a quote from Edward Fishman. He's an expert on economical sanctions and the Eurasia Center at the Eurasia Center of the Atlantic Council think tank. He said, let's, let's see which banks they select. If you are really wanting to hammer them with sanctions, why would you not just sanction every bank? Because the decision to kick some banks off of SWIFT, and not all, could encourage what's called um, nesting. Which um, the Russian, these Russian entities, they could turn to non-sanctioned banks and large multinationals instead in a bid to access the global financial system. Going around the sanction, you see what's going on here. Why not just sanction them across the board? But it's a workaround for the Russians, and it would create compliance headaches for these global banks. So when you hear in the news that, hey, that we've implemented, we've cut them off from SWIFT, you've got to understand that they're being selective at which banks they're cutting them off of. Now, I hope it just sanctions them and gets this thing in Ukraine to stop. That's all I'm worried about. All these underhanded deals and everything that's going on, God knows about all that. And I, you know, there's no way you, there's no way any of us could figure it all out. Those guys have been so corrupt for so long. I don't know if any of us will really ever know, right down to the to the dotting of the i and the crossing of the t, why Vladimir Putin, every reason he's doing this. There's probably many reasons. But I know that I'm trusting God. I'm praying for the church in Ukraine. I'm praying for the Jews in Ukraine. I'm praying for the people of Ukraine. I'm praying for the president of Ukraine, who is a Jewish individual. And they actually tried to get him to leave, and he said, no, I need ammo. I don't need a ride out of here. I'm staying and fighting. And the Klitschko brothers, those, the boxers, the famous boxers, they were the, the, one of them was the heavyweight champion of the world, they are stating and fighting. The, um, I think it was like Miss Ukraine or somebody who won the, the beauty pageant. She's fighting. They're giving everybody that can pull a trigger and letting them fight. I mean, it really kind of makes you question, you know, what would we do here in America? Would we be, have that much resolve? But when you think about what's really going on here, why would we just sanction some of the banks and not all? And why would we be hesitant to get involved and things like that? Well, I am, I'm questioning 
does Vladimir Putin have anything on Joe Biden? Well, the tablet ran an article. What does Vladimir Putin have on Joe Biden? You remember, and I just want to mention this and then we'll go on because I'm looking at this from every aspect and trying to keep everybody up to date what's going on and figure out prophetically what's going on and how it's all going to end up. I know how it's going to end up, but I'm trying to navigate how we're going to get there and what we need to do and talk to people about. But you remember that Joe and Hunter Biden's, these CD involvements, I mean, all these underhanded deals that have been going on over the last several years, which really came to light during the Trump administration. That's one of the things that President Trump's administration did. It woke America up to some of the things that had been going on for years that we would never have known about. These things were covered up, hush-hush, the news never mentioned it. Donald Trump brought a lot of this to light. And, or possibly God did. I don't know the answer to that, but, I mean, hey, what's the chances of a guy in a little computer shop getting a hold of Hunter Biden's laptop that's got all this seedy information on it? What's the chances of that? So you never know what's going on behind the scenes here. But Joe and Hunter Biden's, these, these seedy involvements in, in, the, in Ukraine may have given Vladimir Putin all the compromise or the compromising information that he needs to keep America at bay. Because, well, so Vlad, Vladimir Putin, he didn't need, really need a green light that uh, Joe Biden uh, gave Russian forces during his marathon press conference last Thursday for this minor incursion into Ukraine. The Russian president already knew the U.S. commander-in-chief could, couldn't stop him even if he wanted to. Sure, Vladimir Putin has seen the polling and knows foreign entanglements are not going to help a, a Democrat hemorrhaging support from his own party. But it's basically, you know, originally they tried to hide everything and uh, it, it had to be exposed. We had to find you know, a, uh, a laptop in a, in a, a guy's um, com- little computer shop, and he had to start exposing it all. But now it's really, it's basically all out in the open, or at least it was until the press and the social media started, you know, scrubbed reports of Hunter Biden's laptop from the Internet uh, in the run-up to the 2020 election. And so, you know, I... I I just, I'm trying to look at this from every angle and see what's going on. My main goal is to just talk about prophecy and help the people in Ukraine pray for the churches. But we need to be informed on, we need to look at this just uh, from every angle to see how all of this is coming down and what's going on. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. You know, everyone, uh, uh, according to the tablet article, and you, I'm not going to go, if you wanted to read the tablet article, it's, it's from the tablet and it's called, the title is, What Does Vladimir Putin Have on Joe Biden? You can go read it for yourself. I just took a few excerpts from the article. But it says that Hunter Biden's laptop, whose provenance and contents have both been checked out beyond any shadow of a doubt, give evidence of Hunter, Hunter Biden's financial relationships with foreign officials and businesses like the more than $50,000 per month that he was that he got for sitting on the board of Burisma here it is a Ukrainian energy company starting back in spring of 2014 now did Hunter Biden was he an energy expert what was going on there Did he use his dad's position in the White House to make some underhanded deals? Do you think that's even possible in 2022? I guarantee you it is. As Biden told a 2018 audience, he threatened to withhold a $1 billion loan guarantee to Ukraine unless the government in Kiev fired a prosecutor investigating the company that was paying his son. So we a lot of times we get caught up in everything that's going on. We went through COVID. We did a lot of different things. And we'll forget those things. But now it's coming back to bite President Biden. There, the, the article goes on to say there is surely no shortage of oligarchs, Ukrainian and Russian, who are eager to share the information about their dealings with the Bidens in order to gain influence with Putin and undo rival billionaires. One can assume that all of that information has made its way by now to Putin's table. So when you look at Ukraine and Russia, and why would we only sanction a certain certain banks and different things like that, maybe giving Russia a a, a go-around, you've got to look at this thing from all angles. And I only want to keep you informed those guys, I'm concerned about getting people prepared for heaven. I'm not really concerned about the world government and what they're doing. I want to prepare people for the soon return of Jesus Christ. That's my goal. But if you look at this stuff just on the surface and what CNN and MSNBC and all these things are feeding you, you need to look away from that and say, okay, what's going on over here behind the curtain? And we need to know, hey, why would they go to the point where they might possibly overthrow an election to try to get somebody back in the White House? Because there's a lot of hands and a lot of pockets. And the Antichrist will be the leader of all of that before it's over with. Now, Israel Hayam, they reported that Biden is empowering evil in both Russia and Iran. 
Now, this is where we talked about the contrast earlier and the conflicting messages that Joe Biden and is giving off in Russia and Iran. The, the article said, and this is from the Israel Hayam, the contrast could scarcely be more glaring. America's strategy to deter Russian President Vladimir Putin's aggression against Ukraine is to impose sanctions, right? But its strategy to deter aggression by the Iranian regime is to lift sanctions. Not only is this contradictory, but in terms of effectiveness, it's precisely the, the wrong way round, right? Sanctions were pointless until Putin's assault on Ukraine was already underway. And as its president, Zelensky, he bitterly observed that. And he said, what, you know, this, this is crazy. Why are you doing this? Russia's already attacking us. And, but sanctions did weaken the Iranian regime as it raced towards achieving nuclear weapons outbreak uh, in the, during the Trump presidency. Pulled us out of that, didn't he? And just hammered them with crippling sanctions. Sanctions were aimed at encouraging the Iranian people to rise up and topple the, regi- the regime. The best chance of avoiding a nuclear-armed Iran uh, short war, short of war. But yet, that's why President Trump asked, and I just watched it again this morning, there's a video out, where when President Trump came into office, he went to Germany, I think the guy's name, the, the, uh, the guy's name is Stoltenberg, he sits across the table, and Stoltenberg says, hey, we, wanna, you know, we know that you're wanting us to pay our fair share of NATO, and we need to do that, and Donald Trump said, you don't need to do it by 2030, you need to do it immediately. The, you know, it's not fair to the, the American people that you're doing this. And by the way... You're wanting us to protect NATO. The whole thing about NATO was to protect Russia from coming in and taking over Europe. So he said, you're wanting the United States to pay the fair share and to protect you of a much larger GDP and to protect you from Russia, but yet you signed this huge gas deal where you would get gas from Russia. And the guy said, the Stoltenberg come back at him and he said, well, you know, it's, it's good trade relationships uh, it's good to have trade relationships with Russia. And President Trump shot back and he said, well, this I'm not talking about trade. Trade and energy, two different things. You guys are totally relying upon Russia for much of your gas now, and now you have to bow to their edicts. Why are you doing that, but yet you want us to protect you from Russia? And the guy sat there and stared at him. He had no answer for that. And Donald Trump said, you have no answer. There is no answer. Well, now... We've got Joe Biden. Imagine Joe Biden sitting across the table from him. And you know what? I'd love to see Joe Biden go to heaven. I'd love, I mean, I don't hate the guy. But I'm saying this is what, you want to know what's going on in the world today? This is it, folks. And we need to be in prayer and fasting. Uh, really, we do. Uh, because we need God. I want, to, I want to have a spiritual revival in America. And I, I believe we're going to. But it will come only through prayer and fasting. But you need to know what's going on. I don't want you to be in the dark about what's going on here. So when you think about these conflicting reports between Iran and Russia and why we're sanctioning one and pulling sanctions off another, that once is trying to get nuclear weapons, folks. Well, now the administration of um, President Joe Biden has reportedly reached an agreement. Uh, this, uh, he's re- they're just finishing it up in Vienna. That's even worse than the disastrous JCPOA, the original Iran nuclear deal, lifting all constraints on Iran's manufacture 
of nuclear weapons within two and a half years. So if this is so, President Biden will have played midwife, really, to the Iranian bomb, which his administration has so vapidly pledged to prevent and towards which Iran has already taken huge strides through America's policy of appeasement. Folks, we are seen as very, very weak on the world stage. Now, if you're looking at it from a prophetic standpoint, the United States does have to slip off of its pedestal as the global leader and part of the world government in the end time. How that happens, I do not know at this point. I know how the, what the prophecies say is going to happen, but will we slide into just a complete position of weakness where people can bat us around? I don't know about that. That's going to be something that we're going to have to live through a little bit to see how everything plays out because when Donald Trump came into, the, into office, we saw strength. And even though he wasn't a politician, he had been following politics and everything for years. He come in and said, "This don't you know? Hey, you want to invade Ukraine? Then Vladimir Putin, I'll bomb Moscow." Well, Vladimir Putin believed him, and he didn't. He didn't invade Ukraine in the Trump administration, did he? Now, people, uh, I heard uh, the, a Texas senator Crenshaw say that uh, Donald Trump said that or, or referred to something of that effect early on, but he didn't invade during the Trump presidency. Because there was strength there. And Donald Trump was pulling us out of world government. Maybe somebody would get back in the office that would do that again. Because we've got to be strong enough to stand with Israel all the way throughout the end. If you study all these prophecies collectively and understand the scenario, I think in my next End Time magazine I'm going to write all this, how this scenario plays out and tie all the pieces in together. We'll have to see. Unless something, maybe we'll do it on Ukraine and Russia. I'm not sure what I'm going to do yet. But we need to know how all this thing plays out. But right now, in a position of weakness, our allies and Israel is seeing us as a position of weakness, folks. And even though our military is not weak, it's the administration at the top. Our military is very, very powerful. And thank God for every single one of them. But it's, it's the administration at the top that is just... They're, being what they're, they're doing what they're told by the world government. But the Bible says we're not fully engaged in that world government in the end time. So how's all this working? Maybe the stage is being set for us to pull out. I, 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 don't, know how, I don't know how all it's going to happen between here and there, but I know what, how it happens in the end. Because the Bible, the prophecies always come to pass in intricate detail. But... In moving, going on, a couple more excerpts in this article. In return for a commitment to the Iranian restraint that won't be uh, worth the paper it's written on, really, on, uh, um, the deal means the Biden administration will lift those sanctions that it has not quietly lifted already. You understand, they've had billions of dollars already go to Iran. And America will have enabled billions of dollars to be funneled into Iran to fund its global terrorism and its arming of Hamas, Hezbollah against Israel and its march to regional hegemony. Well, if they're going to get a nuclear weapon, Israel's going to war tomorrow morning. They're never going to allow that to happen because Iran wants to destroy 
uh, uh, Israel and the United States. This is why I don't understand all this. I think it's the Biden administration. They believe in in a world government. And they're abiding by what they're being told to do, really. And, you know, the principal architect of the 2015 nuclear deal was former President Barack Obama. He believed that since Iran was in his view a historic victim of the West, that empowering it would draw its aggressive sting and promote stability and peace in the region. So, what's going on here? Well, you can see the stage being set for the end time. Russia, the aggressor. The United States coming off of our pedal as this global leader, which we pretty much had been since the um, 1945 when the United Nations was established. We have been pretty much the principal driver behind this world governing body. But now, in a position of weakness, we're pulling off that pedestal and our allies, and especially Russia, China, Iran, not our allies, are looking at us and saying, wow, they are weak. I can do whatever I want. Especially if a Vladimir Putin knew about some underhanded dealings with the Ukrainians and maybe some Russians and different people. You never know. Once you get to the point where you're willing to do very corrupt things, You'll, you will, you're willing to deal with some people that you shouldn't be dealing with. and then. But the problem is, you've got to reap the consequences. And so to keep that quiet, when somebody's got that much leverage on you, man, it makes for a bad deal, folks. And so, in all of this, I'm not trying to spread fear. I'm trying to say, we need to be in prayer. We need to be in fasting. We need to be having revival. We need to be winning souls because the Bible says this is the kind of situation that we will be under just within the next the, 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 the years before the second coming of Jesus Christ. And you can see the stage being set on many levels for this. There's going to come a six-trumpet war as well. And the Russia-China-Iran axis, watching that very close right now, we've got to be in prayer, folks. This has been End of the Age, brought to you by the faithful partners of End Time Ministries. If you're not currently a partner with End Time Ministries, or if you would like more information, we invite you to call us at 1-800-END-TIME. That's 1-800-363-8463, or visit us online at endtime.com. 